Alrighty then. Well, hello everybody and welcome back to the North Carolina Council of the Blind State Convention right here on Zoom and ACB Radio. I want to acknowledge our host, Randy, and our streamer, Desiree. Thanks, you guys, for being here. We certainly appreciate all the work that you guys all do to, to make these virtual conventions happen. And on behalf of our president, Chris Bell, and our entire board of directors, we welcome all of you back to our banquet tonight. And we have a great lineup. We're going to be giving away a couple door prizes. Uh, they are not doors, actually. They are door prizes. And we also um, will be presenting our scholarships tonight. And in about an hour, you will be meeting Roy Samuelson. Some of you may have heard him from the ACP National Convention. He will be with us live virtually. Is that an oxymoron? I'm not sure. Anyway, um, we will have him here, and we're all very happy about that. And I would also like to ask um, Randy if you would be willing to give the instructions on hand raising and muting and unmuting and any other announcements that are that you feel are important. Sure. So to raise your hand, because that's the first part of the process, if you're on a standard desktop computer, you can push Alt-Y. If you are on a Mac computer, it is an it is option Y. If you are on a touchscreen uh, device, the raise hand button is under the more section, which you can find and activate the more button and then the raise hand button. Or if you've dialed in on a landline phone, it is star nine. Once you raise your hand, then I will allow you to unmute, and I will call on you and let you know that you can unmute, which you will be able to do by pushing Alt-A on a Windows machine, Command-Shift-A on a Mac, uh, finding and tapping the mute, the mute slash unmute button in the lower left-hand corner of your device, or by pushing star 6 on your dial-in phone. After you finish talking, I will go ahead and mute you and lower your hand, so you won't need to take care of that at all. And I think that's everything. Okay. Great. Thanks, Randy. Um, I want to acknowledge the convention committee, um, are chaired by Lawrence Carter, and including Joe Talafiero, Lacey Coward, Kendall Gibbs, and Karen Addison. Um, oh, I was on it, too. And... Um, it's been a great group of people to work with. And I also want to, because I'm about to introduce her anyway, Lacey Coward um, is our, we, we kind of dubbed her the door prize diva just because it's alliteration, you know, but um, she's done a phenomenal job. She found an app that allows her to spin a proverbial wheel, well, a virtual wheel. And, um, call the names of the door prize winners and it really works well and uh she but it required a lot of work on the back end where she needed to enter the names of everybody who registered and uh and then those names all come up on the wheel and she spins it and somebody wins a door prize and we have a few to give away tonight and uh we're going to give away two now, I believe, and then at some point later during the banquet, we'll give away a couple more. So, Lacey, are you ready to spin that wheel? Yes, ma'am. 
So Becky is right. We do have two prizes to give away now and two that we will give away a little bit later on in the banquet. And just as a side note, the app that Becky was describing is also voiceover accessible, which is um, a great thing. I personally don't use voiceover, but I know a lot of people do. So um, when I found out that it was voiceover accessible, I said, "Mm, that's another win. (laughs) Just some brownie points. It's called Tiny Decisions. All right, so this get this door prize is going to be a $25 Walmart gift card that was donated by the Raleigh Wake chapter. And the winner of this will be Matthew Baysmore. So, He's Matthew, awesome. I will get your information to Florence, and he will get the gift card. He will mail that out to you sometime in the next week. And you'll be meeting Matthew a little bit later. And our second door prize for the time being was donated by an anonymous donor. They requested to remain anonymous, so I am honoring that. But they are donating a $25 Target gift card. Um, and I will give them, whoever wins, I will give the anonymous donor your information. And they will get you your gift card. So that you one have to promise to keep them anonymous. Yes. That goes to Margie Rose. So Margie, I will get your information to them and they will mail that out to you sometime within the next week or so. So that is all the door prizes for now. If you would like to be entered in the last drawings before the evening is over and you are not registered, you may go to www.nccbinfo.org and register and pay the small registration fee. And I will put your name on the magical wheel of names to see if you can win one of our last two door prizes. So back to you, Becky. Thank you. And uh, thanks for all the hard work. She's also, because she's secretary and because she has the skills, she has been the one who's coordinated getting all of the registrations together and then getting the names into the wheel and making the connections afterwards to make sure people get connected with who they need to be connected with. So um, kudos to Lacey Coward, our secretary. Um, That's one of those jobs that a lot of people don't want, but the people who want it, people like Lacey do it really, really well. So we appreciate that. Um, And at this point, um, we're running a little bit ahead of schedule, but I would like to turn the program over to our scholarship team, um, Joe Talafiero and Tim Snyder, and they will sort out who's going to do what when. And we appreciate our scholarship winners and the thought that went into choosing the winners of our scholarships and the hard work that that entails. So Joe and Tim, take it away. I would like to welcome you all to this, the 2020 NCCB Scholarship Ceremony. NCCB strives to increase the independence, security, equality of opportunity, and quality of life for all blind and visually impaired people. One of the ways of accomplishing this goal for NCCB is to provide scholarships to deserving blind people. For many years, our scholarship program was led by noteworthy leaders such as Kathleen Thomas, 
Marie Boring, Theodore Bryant, Wayne Yelton, David Alexander, and others. Not only have we provided scholarships to blind students for many years, likewise, we are also delighted and thankful that we can continue this program in 2020. Blind and visually impaired people who are high school students, that is high school seniors, in college, or are professional or vocational school students, are eligible to apply. And so these people applied for our 2020 scholarship program. This year, we are awarding three $1,000 scholarships to three noteworthy recipients. As the 2020 Scholarship Committee Chairman and on behalf of NCCB and our members, I would like to thank Tony Farida, Joe Tullifer, and Dr. Ricky Scott for providing faithful service on this committee and for performing the diligent work involved in making these scholarship award recommendations. I also thank the NCCB Board of Directors for accepting our recommendations and granting these scholarships to these worthy students. I will present our first scholarship award, and Joe will present the awards to the second and third scholarship recipients. Our first scholarship is awarded to a young man who not only goes to school, but also works full-time to support himself. While he has this full-time job, he sees further education as a pathway to even better employment career options. His scholarship reads as follows. The David Alexander $1,000 scholarship is awarded to Matthew Bazemore on this day, September 26, 2020, by the North Carolina Council of the Blind. Chris Bell, President, Tim Snyder, Scholarship Committee Chairman. Committee Chairman. Now, normally, I would present you with this scholarship, Matthew, but because this convention is happening in a virtual environment, I must say, the check is in the mail. And, oh, yes, the certificate, too. If you have not received it already, you will be receiving it soon. Now, Matthew, I would like to invite you to share a few words about yourself, your educational pursuits, and where you hope these pursuits will lead you in the world of work. So it's over to you, Matthew. We look forward to hearing your comments, and congratulations. Well, first I want to start by saying thank you so much to NCCB for giving me this wonderful scholarship. I, I, words can't express how much I, my gratitude for, for this. Well, I want to start back from the beginning again. Um, my name is Matthew Bateford. 
currently 19 years old, and I'm going to school at Wake Tech, taking, of course, online classes, and I'm working in healthy industries in Durham. I just got a promotion like a month ago, and, and I'm trying to keep my head on straight by having an independent living life and getting my education. It's been very tough, but I know that I, I love a challenge. I love challenges, and I like to challenge myself to work harder all the time. What I'm going to do with this scholarship, I'm going to use it to further my education, of course. And with my business management degree, I want to continue on by having a real, by getting a real estate license. So I can maybe become one of the first blind real estate agents. I mean, that sounds great to me. But what I want to do with that is have easier access to people who are blind and vision impaired to find places that are more accessible to live. Because last year I went through, it was hard to find a place to live that was on the bus schedule, that was on the bus line, that was affordable. And, and that, that can also help me adjust to, to the, to the, my new life. And I'll do, always will do my best to continue that and my word will never change. So again, I really appreciate the scholarship and may God bless all of you. Thank you so much, Matthew. We're delighted to provide this to you. I do have a couple of follow-up questions and you've sort of talked about this a little bit, but uh, how have you been able to handle both work and a full-time job, uh, both a full-time job working and going to school? Do you have any specific advice as to how, um, how you were able to do that? And is it tough? Well, as a, a, a late, a late teenager, I'm 19 years old, about to turn 20. <clears throat> My first advice is cut up the partying and <laughs> get your priorities. You know, know where, know what your priorities are, because you know I, I work eight hours a day, and when I get home, I don't have time for naps as much as I would love it. But <clears throat> instead, I pull up my computer and I read. I do assignments. And do everything I can just in a timely man order. I want to make sure you know I do things. Time management is very important. That's one of my advices: is make sure you know what time it is. So it'll be a lot easier on you if you can adjust your time best you can. Well, this second question is kind of related to the first question, but you may touch upon more of the emotional or psychological challenges that people may face. In other words, there may be some people that are simply afraid to step up to the challenge of going back to school. So do you have any words of advice for anyone who may be going to college after high school? And of course, you've touched upon that, or perhaps a person who would be going back to school after a period of not being in school. What could you say to these groups of people? Well, you know, again, you know, always 
you know, be sure that you have everything planned out ahead of time. Um, it, it can be stressful if you do things at the last minute. Um, so make sure, you know, your, your mind is set and ready for it. Um, <clears throat> it's definitely not easy, but at the end of the journey, that's what matters the most. Um, as you do these things, you know, you begin to realize your success and it feels really good, especially when you have a good support team beside you. So really to answer your question again, you know, just, I know this is a kind of a weak answer, but just keep your head on straight, you know, and keep your head up high and focus on the result instead of focus on, you know, now, I mean, that, that's what I do the most. Well, thank you so much, Matthew. And, and I imagine you're already thinking about selling that first house or helping folks to get into the apartment uh, of that they'd like to live in. Or who knows, you may, you may man, manage uh, or sell business real estate. Anyway, it sounds like an exciting career that you have in front of you. And we just want to continue to encourage you in your efforts. And once again, congratulations on receiving the David Alexander NCCB 2020 scholarship. I really, and, I really appreciate Yes, indeed. We're delighted to be a part of your educational endeavors. And now I will turn our program over to Joe Tolliver, who will present the next two scholarship awards. Good evening. What a great banquet it is. And I'm not sure if I'm unmuted. So if someone could just say a word. You are. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you for that presentation. And um, when I called uh, Matthew to say, oh, Matthew, by the way, we want you to say a few words about yourself and your education during the presentation. Matthew said, can you call me back in half an hour? And I said, sure, Matthew, I can certainly do that. Not knowing that he wanted instead to talk to me on a work break. He wasn't going to interrupt his work to talk to some fuddy-duddy old lady about a scholarship. And that's very impressive. So I appreciate your talking about time management because it sounds like you've got that pretty well down packed. Thank you. It's my privilege now to present the NCCB 2020 Scholarship to Kate Franklin. And Kate, I have to say that when I read your application, I thought you were so excited and so enthusiastic. And you certainly did prove that this afternoon, as you talked about Wag a Lot Pet Shop, which I think is a great title for your business. So, Again, we have people working, going to school, going to college, and doing both. Um, I didn't do that. I went to school, and 
That was my father's priority, was my education. Now I see an example of someone who owns a business and has done so for a few years. So, Kate, besides buying products from you, I would like to ask you to say a few words about what it's like going to school and working. And I know you probably said some of this this afternoon, but congratulations to you on receiving an NCCB 2020 scholarship of $1,000. And I'm happy to hear your comments. I wanted to say thank you for selecting me. really means a lot, especially um, as I do manage both school and a business, but um, I'm very fortunate to be going to school at UNC Charlotte. Um, I'm planning to be, to become a physical therapist currently um, in the exercise science major or in the prerequisite to get into the exercise science major. Um, And I'm really just hoping that with, um, with school, not only can I, help make my school more accessible, but to also um, help people in the long run, whether that's medically or just in any type of way um, to make their lives a little bit easier, whether that's through physical therapy or not. But the plan currently is to become a physical therapist. Um, But managing WAG a lot, and schoolwork honestly has been not easy. (laughs) Um, It is very time consuming to do both. And actually this semester I was planning to take a lighter semester given that uh, I've been having some health issues and somehow ended up with a much harder semester. (laughs) And so I'm definitely like having to put 200% of my energy into both activities, um, whether that's school or wag a lot, or even just, you know, spending time with friends or family, um, just so that I can, you know, touch the lives of those around me, but also better my education. Can you tell us a little bit about what you think it might be like for you to be in physical therapy and, and, helping people to adjust to the changes in their life that might be caused by having to go through physical therapy. Absolutely. So I am actually somebody who likes to be a little bit more active. I cannot stand sitting still for very long. Um, And I'm hoping that with a job in physical therapy and the hands-on kind of experience, I'm hoping to not only formulate like a good relationship with those that I work with, but also be there for somebody and be their source of encouragement um, to push through physical therapy, even if it might be uncomfortable and to really uh, take on these new challenges with a positive mindset and just give it their all. And yeah. Now it'd be real important, especially for folks who have had knee replacements, hip replacements, um, or have had some kind of an accident or injury, uh, and they may be dreading 
physical therapy because they know that there's going to be some pain involved, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate your philosophy of being positive and being encouraging to those folks. And we wish you all the success in the world. Thank you. In getting into exercise science and uh, um, keeping in touch with us. Absolutely. Um, and following up and say, well, how's Kate doing? And how is she progressing with health concerns and the like? And devoting so much time to what she's passionate about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we very much appreciate your applying. And hearty congratulations to you. And as they say, your check is in the mail. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm very, very appreciative of this. I, I do appreciate it. Well, it showed on your application. And thank you so much. Next, I'd like to present Kendall Gibbs with a scholarship of $1,000 from the NCCB, American or North Carolina Council of the Blind. I'm sorry, I'm getting punchy here. But Kendall, I remember the first time I met you. Do you know when that was? You have any idea? I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had your beautiful Maya. And I met you when you were in kind of what's called the life skills class taught by the Division of Services for the Blind. And it was a 12-week session, I believe. And I remember the first time you came in, you walked right beside where I was sitting. And Maya was just as good as gold. The other thing I found out about you was that you were a Braille fanatic. And... We didn't just think of you as passionate about Braille, but almost fanatical. And I thought, well, I wonder where she's going to store all those Braille books that she's probably collected for quite some time. If you need some shelf space, we probably have some that you could use. But now it's you, center stage, Receiving the 2020 scholarship from NCCB, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your background and something about your education, if you wouldn't mind. Absolutely. So a little bit about myself. My name is Kendall, for those who don't know. I will be 23 next week, and I am a master's student at NC State University. I just earned my bachelor's of social work degree from NC State, and I'm in the advanced standing one-year master's program, so I'm two-thirds of the way done, and I am also a full-time employee at a center for independent living in Raleigh, North Carolina, 
and I have an internship at Disability Rights North Carolina. So in the little free time that I do have, um, I do like to do um, advocacy work um, as like with using my social work degree and, of course, interacting with those on the North Carolina Council of Blind Board as I am a member at large and do doing a little bit of volunteering when I can with the foundation and the committees that we do have through the council. So with my master's of social work degree, I hope to do more advocacy work as far as persons with disabilities. I love to go to DC and advocate. I did learn that (laughs) when North Carolina council line sent me and a couple others to DC to advocate for accessible legislation. So I definitely have a passion for that, and I intend to use a scholarship to help me through my master's program with what is left and to advocate for those who, those of us who are in need of more um, equal access to our basic human rights, such as voting, which I was also plaintiff on this case, as well as Joe. So that is a little bit about myself and my education. Lots of accomplishments for you, Kendall. Thank you. And you have plans for the future, uh, as do all of our scholarship recipients. And that's really important. Know where you're headed. It's, it's time management, and I'm sure for you, Kendall, you don't have any time to sleep or eat because all of your energy is focused on not only your school, but your internship and your job at the Independent Living Center. These are some things I did know about you and some that I didn't. So congratulations on your scholarship. And we want to keep in touch with you. And we're so proud to have you as a member at large on the NCCP board and to read your statements as a plaintiff in filing suit for equal access to the voting that we just settled on last week. Knowing that the lawsuit is ongoing, I'm sure we'll hear more from you. And we definitely appreciate your enthusiasm and your good work for the North Carolina Council of the Blind. So proud of you and congratulations. Thank you so much. Keep moving forward. This is Chris Bell. I got a question for you. Are you still thinking about going to law school or have you uh, been restored to sanity? (laughs) I, I'm, I'm still pondering it. I, I, I definitely need to apply next year if I decide to go to law school. (laughs) All right. Good luck. Thank you. Yes, you would be a good candidate. Thank you. And now I'll turn it back over to Tim Snyder for closing remarks. Well, I think you all will agree. We have had three excellent candidates who have received scholarships, and I'm just delighted that we were able to be a part of their education. And it'll be exciting to see 
as we follow their progress in the future. And I want to encourage each of these three to become members of NCCB and, of course, in doing that, becoming members of ACB as well. And uh, I know one of our uh, recipients is already a member because she's serving on the board of directors. So we've got two more to go unless they've filled out uh, application forms without my knowledge. So we encourage that. And I would like to thank you, Joe, Matthew, Kate, and Kendall for helping me to conduct this scholarship presentation ceremony. I would also once again like to thank our scholarship committee for their service. And I thank President Chris and our NCC board and our membership for making our scholarship program possible. Thank you all for joining us in this wonderful scholarship celebration presentation. Loud applause. This, yes, this concludes our 2020 scholarship presentation ceremony. I now turn the program back over to Joe, our mistress of ceremonies. So any comments or questions from our attendees? Because we know you're out there. Doesn't look like anybody has their hands up right now. Hmm. Well, I wonder if we could start with our next presentation a little early, because I don't want to do door prizes yet. Right, Lacey? That's up to y'all. I've got two left, so whenever you want to do them, <gasps> just let me know. Well, how about one now? And okay. then one later on. We can do it. All right. So let's see what we have. Our next scholarship. I mean, scholarship. Goodness, listen to me. Our next um, <laughs> gift card. Are you funding that? <laughs> uh, you know, is a $25 Walmart gift card donated by Lawrence Carter. And that gift card, let's spin the magic wheel. And see who our winter our winner. Donna Permar. Woo! So Donna, well, we will make sure he's got your address and he'll give All you your right. card. And we know Donna likes to shop. I've seen her in my it. store. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Donna. Really I'm glad you're here. And um we don't do too much shopping online, um, so I can get back into my store and not have to compete with you for the goodies. I have shopped with Donna on a cruise ship before. Uh-huh. I, have, I have the jewelry to prove it. <gasps> <Ooh>. <laughs> and she did not buy it for me. But oh, she knows how well, to pick it. I got to tell you, she is awesome. Yeah. She is a shopper. Yes. Yes, of of um, of great renown goes great to the best renown. places yeah. I know, of course, yes. indeed. Um, and I would like to thank the door prize diva for all that she's doing. I'd like to thank our streamer for providing 
our music and making this whole convention come to life on ACB radio. If you're tuning in out there, thank you for listening. Hope you're enjoying the perfection of what radio streaming can be. Also want to thank Becky Davidson. Wonderful job with the MCs and the intros and all that goes with that in your preparation, your note taking and communicating so well with the folks on the convention committee, as well as people attending and speaking. So thanks to Becky and especially thank you to president Chris, who happens to be my husband. Um, he's done a great job as well in helping to think through the planning and executing of this state convention and um, saying, no, that's not going to take that long. Yes, it will. No, it won't. Yes, it will. <laughs> what do you do when the president is in the same household as the treasurer? It's very interesting. Hi, Debbie Hazelton. Hello, I just wanted to pop in here and uh, tell you what a wonderful job you've been doing. And I wanted to see how you've been feeling about the day and and everything, the convention, their speaker last night, everything. How you've been feeling about it all. I think that's going to come in our session on looking forward into the future of NCCB. And what we want to see um, with our affiliate and what kind of advocacy we want to do and how we want to use this virtual convention as perhaps a vehicle for future meetings and conventions on Zoom, on mm-hmm. webinar, by phone, by conference call. We've all learned a lot about communication technology, and I wonder if our next presenter is waiting in the lobby. He might be, but I <gasps> wanna I wanna tell you how proud I am of you personally, and all of the heart that you have been putting into this convention and your whole team. I just really am very proud of all of that and all of the way that every one of you have stepped up to the plate, and. Uh, you know, just made your announcements and done your bridge building of going from one person to the next and just all the hard work that you've been doing and all the little things that you've been doing. It's really been great. So, Well, Debbie, I've spent some time biting my fingernails. um, And I want to say big congratulations to Lawrence Carter, who... Mm -hmm really has helped with networking during this convention planning. Mm-hmm. Networking with people, getting door prizes together. I had no idea we would have so many door prizes. About so yeah. I'm appreciative of that and his good suggestions for how to do things and how to get things accomplished in the most mm-hmm. efficient manner. 
So I'll be buying some chocolate from him pretty soon, hoping it is dark <laughs> chocolate. Yeah. Well, all right. I just wanted to chime in before you carry on <laughs> with more of this evening's festivities. I just put out some announcements. You're um, wonderful. So, well, we're all in this together. Yes, indeed. We are. And we're in the boat that floats, not the one that sinks. That's right. Yes, indeed. And thank you, Becky. And uh, thank you, Lacey. Thank you all. So I will put myself on mute now so that I stay on mute. <laughs> you want to come in with a little advertisement. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. So this is Lacey. So our speaker is not here yet. Um, we're, we're still running about 20 minutes early. Yeah. And so I wanted to... Um, Mention a couple of things, and I have a question. So I wanted to mention Joe brought up Lawrence's fundraiser with the Terry Lynn store. Um, I actually placed an order with him right after he opened it um, because I helped him get it started. And the stuff is very good quality. It's mm. delicious. They mm-hmm. have, like, mixed nuts, and they have, like, chocolate-covered raisins and trail mix and all kinds of things, and it's delicious. So I encourage anyone who is looking for a nice treat for yourself or even a gift for the holidays that will be here before we know it to check that out. And also if you are looking for a fundraiser that takes less than 10 minutes of your time to get started and can go on indefinitely um, to check it out. Um, But the question that I wanted to ask was, is really for any of our attendees who are here. um, if you have any questions about anything that we've talked about, just because we're, you know, we are trying to fill a little bit of time. And I know for myself, sometimes I listen to a presentation or I listen to um, a lecture or something. And then a little bit later, I'm like, oh, I should have asked X, Y, Z. So I've just wanted, if it's okay with um, Joe and Becky, to give everybody just a second to think if you have any questions about anything that you've heard, whether it was last night with, um, Holly or with Kay or with one of the people that we had presenting today um, to ask those questions, just, just so that if you have any burning questions, we can get them so that you don't forget. And if we don't have an immediate answer, we can certainly get one for you. Absolutely. Andy, if you could give these, if you could give those fine folks out there the instructions on how to do that one more time. Yes. That'd be wonderful. uh, Remember the first step of the process is to raise your hand. Uh, if you're on a Windows PC, that is put by pushing Alt-Y. If you're on a Mac computer, that is by pushing Option-Y. If you're on a touchscreen device, you will need to find and activate the More button and then find the Raise Hand button that shows up under that. Or if you've dialed in, it is star 9. Once you've raised your hand and I found you, I will call on you and... Uh, allow you to talk and let you know that you've been allowed to talk, at which point you will be able to unmute yourself. You can do this by pushing Alt-A on your Windows PC, Command-Shift-A on your Mac, finding and activating the mute button in the lower left-hand corner of your touchscreen device, or by pushing star 6 on your touchtone phone. You sound like a real broadcaster there. I know, we'll hear you in the future. (laughs) Any, uh, Any hands? Yes, we have Jamaica Miller. All right, Jamaica. 
In Jamaica, you should now be able to unmute and talk. Yes, this is uh, Jamaica again, and I'm from Athens, Georgia. And I wanted to ask about the LCI um, speaker, whether he would be, whether he's able to be involved with any, any, um, any non any nonprofit organizations um, to be uh, to to see about some uh, a job um, if that is a possibility I, I just don't know so can someone email me if you don't know the answer to that um, when you can find the answer can you be a little more specific about what you're what you're asking of him um, I'm sure he'd be more than willing to you know, to talk with you. Um, I'm, I'm, we, we are actually looking for some people to help us with our, with, with my, with, with mine, with, uh, with our nonprofit that, that, that I have going on for, uh, for, for, for transportation. And we're, we're not having very much luck of getting people to help put in, the information we need to put in for the different parts of the pro, the different parts of the program, and um, so I wanted to 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 discuss with him about to ask about that. So, um, I don't have his email right at hand, but we can get that for you. I know it's lcitech dot com, and I think it's J Samuels. At LCI. Samuel, I, I think Samuel. it's single. I, yeah, I don't think there's an S on the end. You're right. Uh, I'm sure he'd be, be willing to offer you some suggestions uh, on how to, you know, how to network, how to find the support you need, that kind of thing. Yes, that's so. That's what, that's what I'm. That's what I'm. The what worst I'm, that could happen is that he could say no, and I doubt that he would. I, my guess is that if he doesn't have a specific answer for you, he could maybe refer you or direct you to someone who can. Thank you. So, Jamaica, this is Lacey. I will email you his um, email address. I have it's john.samuel at lctech.org, I think. Okay. So I will email that to you so that you have it and you can reach out to him. Thank you so much. Yes. It's great. Thank you for your question, Jamaica. All right. Phone number ending in uh, one two six four. This is Candace from Colorado Springs. <laughs> um, this has been a great convention, and thank you, Lacey, for the door prize. I will certainly put that Visa card to good use. Um, who, whoever spoke a moment ago about the the chocolate? What was the name of the store? I was I was interested because um, I'm a member of a. I'm on, I'm on the board of directors of a disability nonprofit uh, that's a sports and recreational organization, and we're looking to do some fundraising. So I'd like to bring that up to the board this week. Uh, this is Lawrence Carter. There he is. Uh, it is Tammy Lynn, but let me give you my email address. I'm sorry, it's Terry Land. I keep getting the two mixed up. Let me give you my email address so that you can email me and I will send you the information you need for that fundraiser. Let me know when you're ready. Okay, I'm ready. 
it is yalla dog at bellsouth.net. That's y a l l o w d o g g at bellsouth b e l l s o u t h dot net. Okay, Lawrence, I will reach out to you um, Monday. That way, that gives you a day to recuperate from this convention. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I will be looking out for you. All right, thank you so much. Be safe. Thank you. And our next speaker I know has joined because I heard it. All right, so now I get to do my thing. And I, (laughs) I just, I can't stand it. The first audio-described program that I knew about was back in the 90s with WGBH and the Finn and Steel crew back there. I got my first VCR very quickly because I put it on my Christmas list so that I could enjoy... um, Cassettes, I guess, back then, where there was audio description. I've gone to movies and theaters, and even here in Carolina, although I have not been, we have the Carolina Playmakers who do audio description. And some of it's very good, and some of it's very bad. And so when I heard Mr. Samuelson at the ACB National Convention and realized that there were some North Carolina Council of the Blind folks who had not heard his speech. I invited him to come to our banquet and I was thinking it was all going to be the speech that he gave at the ACB National Convention recorded. And when I found out that he was willing to come to our banquet live and do his thing, I was just about to cry with joy. Because I believe in audio description and there's more of it coming, I'm sure, And I'm thinking that there's also an Amazon survey that is doing things to make Amazon more accessible without saying image, image, image. And Roy Samuelson is here to describe some images that those of us who have never had eyesight picture in our minds, maybe taste and smell. Roy Samuelson, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks for being live and early. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. What a wonderful introduction. Thank you also to the NCCB and the North Carolina Virtual Convention for the honor of this invitation. Here we go. Blind people watch movies and TV shows. Audio description gives our audience independence. And one of the things entertainment does for everyone is unite us around a common experience. And right now, you're not consistently getting the full experience. You're being left out of some of those experiences. 
My name is Roy Samuelson. I'm a tall male wearing a shacket or a jert. It's a jacket shirt, whichever one you prefer, over a black T-shirt <laughs> with beaded Braille lettering. Fashion is for everyone from iDesign. I smile a lot and get animated when I talk about things I'm passionate about. First of all, again, thank you for inviting all of us audio description narrators into your TVs, your theaters, and your smartphones. As a narrator, I take your invitation seriously, and I want to make sure quality and excellence is what it's all about for you. I like to feel like I'm a part of the story that's being told, and as such, I have a deep connection to my audience. And I like to think of me being a friend welcomed into your homes for a while. What does a narrator do? Here are some examples of two different narration types. One narrator is reading from the same suspenseful scene in a high-stakes film. See if you can spot any difference. The first one is a typical narrator, and the next one is, well, listen in. Um, all right. I, there is no sound, I don't believe. Hey, thanks so much for saying. I'll uh, adapt accordingly. Uh, so the uh, the share screen isn't working, but what we're listening to is a uh, a sample of a really suspenseful scene that's it's got a narrator that's riding that emotional wave. And then the second reading is a pretty condescending read where someone's speaking <laughs> pretty horribly, where it's uh, it's talking down as if you're a, a child, a three-year-old watching a, a Sesame Street production. So... What I'm trying to illustrate here is that there's different types of inconsistencies. And that second voice was speaking very patronizingly and just condescendingly and too cheerily. I and many others care deeply about audio description quality and excellence. And I love being a part of bridging the gap between our audiences and the creators and distributors of content. As I know you love a good story, here's one for you. A pre-pandemic story. What it's like as an audio description narrator. Every narrator has a different experience. For me, my usual day goes a little like this. I'm invited to come into a studio to record another episode of, say, a TV show I narrate. The audio description writing's already done by some experienced professionals, and I can't wait to see it. I'm buzzed into an office. I pass the receptionist, making a silly joke about the office temperature. He's cuddled under a Hogwarts blanket. He smiles at me and picks up a ringing phone. Then I walk down a hall and knock on an engineer's door, quickly waving at her as she taps on a computer, scrolling a trackpad, adjusting waveforms on a sound program. She's the engineer. And there's also an audio description director, busy scribbling notes. They nod back to me and keep rolling with the project. Then knowing I'm here early feels really good. I walk down another hall filled with cubicles of typists with headphones. Click, clack, click. I say hi to the scheduler, who leans back in a chair, smiling, taking a ten-second break to ask how I'm doing. I banter with some audio description writers. They're the ones who adapt the TV show or movie into the script I read. They like to talk about cats or weekend plans or both. She says, yeah, it's not my cat, but I still named it. I'm going to miss her while I'm in Big Bear, but my canary won't. Luckily, I like weekend plans, and I kind of like cats. Then one of my favorite parts. I walk to a break room that has a table filled with leftover treats or requests for donations for important causes. I fill up my travel coffee mug with black coffee. I'll get to the snacks later. It's a vending machine, and I brought quarters, but in separate pockets, so they don't jingle together and make noise when I'm being recorded. Audio description isn't good with quarter clinks. I spend my off times practicing voiceover in workout groups or classes, so I'm as prepared as I can be at this point. There's a familiar anticipation that courses through me. I walk back the halls and open a door to a recording booth, which is like a small cave. 
I'm surrounded by buzzy, by fuzzy black walls, a small screen on a wall, a music stand, and a chair. I adjust the chair and armrests and lock in the music stand. It has carpet on it to absorb the unwanted sound. I make sure the pencils are sharpened. I think about previous episodes, the feeling of the show, the different acts, beats, relationships, jokes, and music. Those get me in the mood. I've come to realize that this period of preparation and adjustment is a ritual of sorts. The director comes in and hands me a paperclip stack of about 25 pages filled with time code cues. Those are little numbers running on the screen, and it tells me where to go. Lines of dialogue, audio cues, and the words I'll read for bringing the images to life. I've never seen this script before, and I only have about a minute before I start recording. It's a cold read, an ice-cold read. It's alarming how little time I have to review this. I flip through them and scan as much as I can, looking for any phrases that might be tricky or words I can't pronounce. I look for any cues labeled brisk or fast, where I'll have to read quickly, or any large chunks of words so I can prepare. I put on my headset so the audio from the program doesn't bleed noise into the microphone. I say, test one, two, and read a few lines from the script, adjusting some volume knobs. One affects what I hear in the program, and the other adjusts what I hear from the mic. I put my coffee down on the table. Since it's one of those sippy cup types, if I were to knock it over, it would be loud, but it wouldn't spill. In my headphones, I hear the sound engineer's voice. Ready, Roy? Hi. Yep, let's do this. And the engineer starts playing the visuals on the screen in front of me, just past the music stand. I know she and the director are fully paying attention to the 20 different things that they have to focus on so I can focus on my performance. I hear the sound effects of the opening of the show and look down at the script. I've practiced timing to the fraction of a second. I'm a human countdown timer. Looks like I have to start narrating audio description in five seconds. Four. Three. Two. And that's a day in my life. How my day of audio description narration starts. But beyond narration, audio description has many moving parts and different roles. So when I'm asked what I do, my reply stretches beyond the confines of that narration booth and into areas that deserve more notice, both from the creators of audio description and also audiences' perspectives. Mainly, I want people to understand how complicated it is for a blind or low-vision audience member to have a reliable and high-quality entertainment experience. Later, I'm going to call out some of the great services who are doing this really well. There are groups making this work great, but it's really inconsistent and hard to find out. So, my answer to that question about what I do leads to talking about audio description. And if they press me, it goes something like this. Oh, um, in the world of audio description, also called video description, or descriptive video or descriptive narration, a describer who might be the writer or a narrator, or maybe it's both the writer and the narrator, or maybe it's the company, but not the production company, nor the distributor, but a special other company gives their creation of a split track or a mixed track of a narrator, if the film or TV show even has it, which is dependent on the distribution channel like streaming, theatrical broadcast, physical like Blu-ray or DVD or downloadable to your iTunes or Google Play or even YouTube with any of these, each of which offers varying levels of access to the audio description, either on an app or a TV or a cable box or a Chrome browser with a special plugin or on YouTube. But maybe it's a separate YouTube video with audio description and maybe the audio description separately downloadable that syncs up. Then you listen to a narrator or a synth voice. So it sounds like a conversational robot or maybe it's a narrator that sounds like a synth voice, but you don't know if the audio description is there until you hear it which could be a few minutes into the show so you wait and wait and wait and hope and then 
you don't hear it. So you have to decide either to stop and complain or just put up with it. But who do you decide to complain to? Who do you complain to? Is it the local broadcast affiliate or the movie theater manager who's dealing with Karen's complaint about her unpopped popcorn kernel? Or do you contact one of the 47 plus streaming services by email, message, fax, or Facebook, tweet, by phone? But to find that phone, you have to hunt down a number. And once you find that number, go through a press one, press three. Sorry, your call cannot be completed as dialed or try a different number. And is that the main line? Another press four, press zero holding. Oh, good. You can talk to a real person. And it goes something like this. You answer their questions. Um, yes, my speakers are working. No, audio description isn't closed captioning. Sure, I'll hold. Or better to go through an accessibility web link buried so deep it feels like they don't want to talk to you and even with the audio description when it's there and it's bad what does that even mean is the writing indicating things the visuals don't have does the narrator of a scary suspenseful movie talk to you like you're a baby toddler does a kid's show have an uninterested adult narrating who sounds as tasteless as cereal too long in the milk or is it just that aforementioned synth voice that my friend melody calls a puppet or kind of creepy like a horror monster made to describe the light-hearted comedy romance film to you and who chose that voice and why does that voice get in the way of your experience and do you have to keep fiddling with the volume up and down and down and down and down and up to try to hear it depending on what's going on in the background or maybe the production and audio ducks out of the way so you can hear the narrator but all the other audio disappears out of the way and it's jarring and takes you out of the story and does this work that is created for blind people actually include blind people in the process maybe so what do you think of that answer okay anyone else feeling so confused I'm rubbing my eyebrows right now. Is all this too chaotic? Hashtag too many inconsistencies. I wanted to hunt down these inconsistencies and find out what was happening, both from the audience's side and the entertainment industry side. A few years ago, I started being interviewed by podcasts and local papers and websites, both in the entertainment industry and with blind audiences. I started posting on social media, talking about the craft and profession of audio description. I had a tough time finding people on social media who even knew what the heck this audio description was. I connected with blind people on Twitter, and they were talking about a whole host of important things beyond audio description. They were talking about their lives in ways that were different than what I had assumed blind people experienced, and something clicked in me. My thoughts about people who were blind or low vision, my thoughts were just uninformed. I used to assume what you want, and what you can and can't do. But now, I started listening actively, actually listening, beyond my own bias as a sighted person. After listening for a good amount of time, I started to tentatively engage. I asked questions, shared ideas, and sought advice. I learned what people really wanted from audio description. The discoveries directly affected my narration reads. I got better. I learned more. found nuance to my readings. And the focus was on the story, not me, the narrator. (laughs) This got exciting. Connecting with the audience was making all the difference, not only professionally, but also me as a person. Those unconscious biases I had were starting to be replaced with connection. Now, I really wanted to use my voice. I'm a member of the Television Academy, home of the Primetime Emmys, and for the past five years, I've served on the Performers Peer Group Executive Committee. As such, I meet executive decision-makers, directors, producers, some who still have no idea that their own shows have audio description. Early on, I kept it simple. I just said to them, blind people watch movies and TV shows. I told them it's called audio description. And they would lean in, interested. You mean, my show has audio description? Or, how does it work? Or, how can I hear my show? 
And then I started meeting people who actually make decisions about audio description. There are companies that specialize in providing audio description, and I got to know the owners of some of these companies. I developed relationships with their engineers, their writers, even people who work with companies who hire these vendors. Those are usually distributors. I was learning so much. And now I'm interviewing them. I have over 50 interviews on the podcast Know Your Narrator, and another few dozen are still coming. But the landscape across which these companies were dotted was still very much like the Wild West of old. Lots of people were eager to move there, but few were talking about how to establish an orderly and healthy community. I've been fortunate enough to work with and talk with those who really do get it, but newer companies were popping up offering audio description, and each new company gave you their own take on how it would work. Some understood. Some didn't. But even some of those who cared weren't fully aware of what you, the audio description audience, wanted. But in their eagerness to being hired, they started cutting some corners, devoting less time to creating the best audio description. Otherwise, they'd lose out to another company who already might be cutting corners. The volume of audio description being produced was growing. More people were populating the Wild West, but there were no guidelines. Wasn't it at least good that it was becoming more available, even if the quality was lacking? Shouldn't our audiences be grateful for what they have? What a terrible word in this context. Grateful. In surveys, feedback to the Facebook group, audio description discussion, and many email bulletin boards, audience have said they are worried that if they got better quality, they would actually get less audio description. Oh, uh, spoiler alert. Thankfully, you don't have to choose between more or better. You don't have to accept the least. All questions and thoughts I contemplated in my various sound booths and closets. Let's simplify the conversation. Having more audio description comes from an actual legal requirement. The FCC requires that so many hours per week of broadcast television have to have audio description. This mandate is an important and necessary force, but unfortunately, the blind audience is not treated in an equitable fashion beyond that. That force only mandates how much audio description, not how good it is, which means, hey, as long as the box is checked, yep, it has it, it'll count. Check. And here's another wrinkle. I didn't initially understand how streaming companies who are outside of the FCC mandate were choosing to provide us with audio description. Could it be cultural pressure from you speaking up to them to provide audio description? Are there behind-closed-doors negotiations with streaming services and blind organizations to avoid lawsuits? Or do streaming services recognize you, the nearly 30 million blind and low-vision American audiences? That's 253 million worldwide. In other words, do they see our audiences as loyal subscribers? Has the scaling of newer streaming companies been driven by more enlightened economic imperatives than the more traditional studios and broadcasters? I prefer to talk about audio description as a professional service, not simply a mandate. Art and creativity are core components of this business. In the world of video game accessibility, there's a nice parallel from lead gameplay designer of The Last of Us 2, Amelia Schatz. In a June 1st, 2020 Verge article, she says, It's not about dumbing down a game or making a game easy. What do our disabled players need in order to play the game in parity with everyone else? There's no guarantee in the quality and the entertainment content itself. If a movie has terrible audio, or bad actors, or a bad script, 
That is part of the overall experience we have no control over. The best audio description won't make a terrible movie better. The source we're starting here isn't necessarily great, and storytelling is subjective. And how does one define professionalism? How do you measure and identify quality and excellence? OMG, let's talk about nuance in audio description. Writing. Once the AD script is heard by you, the writer has given you the brushstrokes of the visuals and the elements that move the plot forward. A picture is worth a thousand words, right? A film has 24 pictures or frames per second. So every second of film has 24,000 words to choose from it. Every second. A typical movie has 129 million words to choose from. There were hundreds of thousands of decisions that went into that simple phrase or sentence you hear the audio description narrator say. And that phrase was created by the writer. Can you imagine how many decisions have to be made by writers and how those decisions influence your story experience? I'd play an example here where the audio plays a narrator giving a good example of quality writing and the second version with stuff that's kind of condescending and talking to you like you should know what's going on, and even though you do. Let's move on to the next. Narration. My favorite. The narrator's goal is to keep the audience focused on the story, not the narrator. It's a form of connection with audience, suiting the emotional mood of the scene. And my job is to ride the emotional wave with the audience so you're immersed in the story. I have to find that sweet spot, find the balance. Not too much, not too little. Also, I have to share the intention, what I'm saying it for, to share the meaning of the words. Remember earlier when I said I kind of like cats? You could probably tell by the, by the way that I said it that I kind of don't like cats. As one audience said, the narrator should bring you into the movie, not push you away from it. And that example at the top that I would have played shows the different immersive experience that you can have in a movie. Here's some questions you can think about. Is the narrator pulling you out of the scene? Moving on to direction. Directors of audio description usually know what to look for, including casting and appropriately representing people of color, as well as inclusion beyond that appropriate casting. And beyond casting, the director can guide the narration read intensity to make sure the narrator is committed to the story and not phoning it in in their performance, which is Hollywood speak, meaning not showing up with your best. Engineering. Think about all that it is in a movie. You hear the actors' voices, you hear the sound effects and other movie audio. It's all in there. But with audio description, sometimes something happens. You know when you have to keep turning the volume up and down when listening to a movie with audio description? How the narrator blends in is the job of the sound engineer, so it's not too loud or too soft. They also make sure that the narrator doesn't step on lines of dialogue or have heavy breaths or mouth clicks or sneezes or chair squeaks. And the funniest part about this is that when this is done well, you shouldn't notice this work. And I'd play two more examples, one where the, the first example is muffled and you can barely make out the audio description, and then the second version where it's crystal clear what's being said by the narrator and the audio is not being ruined by ducking. Finally, quality control. With all these moving parts and specifics, it's possible mistakes might be made, either in what's being described or sound errors or the overall sense of what's happening. A quality control person preserves the integrity of the audio description. And no surprise, one of the best ways to do this is inclusion of blind professionals. 
The History of Audio Description is a service created for you, by you. It's been developed and evolved by more blind people helping themselves. This is an essential element, not a token hiring. Blind advisors get things sighted people might overlook. But only a few companies are talking about this, let alone actively seeking it out. So, just to sum up, do you like these ideas? The audio description doesn't take you out of the story. It keeps you immersed. It's important to have the audio description released at the same time as sighted audiences. Assurances that the audio description track travels with the film or series. I like to call it from cinema to streaming. And a little aside here, the ADNA wish list, a publicly available list of movie or TV titles that ought to have audio, audio description, as already requested by blind audiences. It has already generated results. Decision makers are watching and acting on it. You'd like to know more about who's involved in the audio description credits. Finally, would you like to know that at least one or several blind professionals were employed during the process at some point? So for now, challenges abound. That's clearly not really news to you. But here are some other developments worth noting. Apps like Spectrum Access provide synced access to hundreds of AD tracks on your own smartphone. Spectrum Access doesn't even require creating an account. They've overcome the legal barriers that you used to have to navigate through. Platforms are upping each other's game. Apple TV Plus has all originals with AD in multiple languages of AD and in Dolby Atmos sound. Netflix publishes detailed standards in audio description and also requires that the AD vendor, writer, and narrator be listed in the audio description credits. Amazon Prime Video. As of September, of the 4,400 original titles with audio description listed on the audio description project, over 40% are Amazon Prime titles. That's more than 1,800. Disney Plus, when it launched almost a year ago, delivered almost all of their older titles, the ones many of us grew up with. Hulu is actively growing their own content and making sure it has audio description. And there's a cultural evolution of inclusion in entertainment. Performers who are disabled are a part of the conversation. There's representation behind the camera, directors, writers, and producers too. And there's lots to be done here, but the momentum is noticeable. Equity and access is something about which society is becoming increasingly aware. If the Me Too and Black Lives Matter movements have anything in common, it's the recognition that the status quo is only acceptable to those privileged enough to remain ignorant to inequity. There is a vast, highly imaginative, creative, and active audience of entertainment content that deserves better. And I have an opportunity to leverage a successful career into a meaningful calling. I'm expanding past my role as an audio description narrator to offer an economical solution to those who hire audio description companies. Mm, why should you care? Without limiting any content for you, this solution will bring even more quality access. The story I've told you thus far has been about the challenges facing audio description and the obstacles in front of blind audiences. I've spent these past few years experiencing these challenges while witnessing the obstacles you face and dreaming of a solution to both. That dream recently became a plan, and that plan is now a reality. A standard of some sort would make me talking about this all so much easier. Quality and excellence in audio description needs a shorthand. And right now, the only identification of audio description is an image. You, my blind and low vision audiences, have a logo, a visual logo. It's the letters A and D with some end parentheses that indicate a speaker sound. So... 
At least you get an image, hopefully with alt text, maybe Braille if you aren't seeing it on a screen reader. There's something that could instantly identify quality for you. Well, today, I'd love to share with you a way to identify a minimum quality and audio description that covers writing, narration, editing, mixing, and quality control, all while making sure blind people like you are included in that process. How many times has history shown that the most insurmountable challenges are breached by the simplest tools? After thousands of conversations with this community and creators, producers, and distributors of content, such a simple solution has been developed. A solution that will identify, promote, recognize, and incentivize quality audio description and entertainment content. And instead of a visual image, what if there was something you can instantly recognize, like a good housekeeping seal of approval, a signal you can trust you're going to have a minimum level of quality? With this signal, you don't have to wait wondering. You're going to know that you're covered, in spite of all that chaos that we've talked about. We've created an audio logo in collaboration with a blind composer and a sighted entertainment industry professional with experience in this kind of thing. So whenever you hear that sound, you will instantly understand that what you're about to watch meets a secure and transparent level of quality. You're in good hands. The concept is not new. The application and intention. Think about THX. They have an audio branding cue, as does Dolby. The Producers Guild and other entertainment industry guilds have marks following the names of individuals recognized as meeting their standards of excellence. Thankfully, a lot of AD companies already do provide top-tier quality. If you've attended any of the panels from the ACB conference this summer, you'd know they care about bringing you the best. This tone instantly identifies them for you. This tone isn't magic. It's what it means. And it isn't a requirement or a mandate. It's an opportunity to distinguish quality and excellence and remove inconsistencies. It's an indication to you that not only does audio description exist for what you're about to watch, but meets these key points and incentivizes the race to the top. We're calling it Kevin's Way for now. My dear friend Kevin was blind since birth. Kevin has been one of my teachers, my mentor, and my anchor. For years, we talked regularly about the different steps we could take to grow audio description quality and excellence and provide audio description audiences with the entertainment experiences they deserve. We created one of the most engaging, lively, and active groups that's gotten results on the Facebook group called Audio Description Discussion. He also had a great awareness. Once he mentioned being with a date who left for the restroom, never to return. With truth and humor, he said, I don't know if he walked out because I was blind, too tall, black, or gay, and he needed to run back into the closet. Kevin was a quiet leader who understood when to speak up. He was an advocate. He personalized his experience for me by sharing his stories and, ex and his experiences. He passed away recently. It hit me hard. And what a perfect spirit to help us lead the charge. And we, in Kevin's way, have blind leaders, experts, and entertainment industry pros at each stage. And with this process, we have many ways to expand. Like the MPAA rating system, we have ways to vary the tone to identify different tiers of quality, so you can get a sense right away of what you can expect to listen to. We are so pleased to share with you that we are setting the marker for the official launch of Kevin's Way on April 25th, 2021. That's a special day in the entertainment industry. The Oscars. Do you like this? 
by signaling you want this audio logo, a few things for, will happen. So for you, you get to know right away you're in good hands. For the professional writers, narrators, directors, editors, sound engineers, and quality control experts in AD, you'll know they're being able to continue to give you their ex expertise and care. And they feel like they're being acknowledged for their professionalism. For the producers, their creative vision reaches our underserved blind audiences, which gives their project even more exposure. For the distributors, most are already doing this. This audio logo acknowledges that. And because of it, they have even more loyal subscribers, like you. Their brand is further elevated and leads to even more content. And it feels good. When I first sat in the audio description narration booth, sharpening those pencils and shuffling the script, I never thought that all these elements of quality audio description could be called into something so simple. Sorry, Wild West. These ideas in this presentation aren't new ideas. I believe audio description is more than a service. It's a partnership and a cooperative. This presentation is facilitated, compiled, and curated from what you've been sharing. And Kevin instilled that passion in me. He didn't let things stop him. He called people together and called people to action. This entire talk lays the groundwork for his process. Kevin's way. I debated whether to say this, so here it goes. For me as a sighted person, without even trying, I can access high-quality entertainment, no question. And with the high-quality that I just have as a given, it's awful it's not consistently there for you yet. You shouldn't have to speak up and demand it. But both quantity, both quantity and quality will be there for you. It will be a given for you. There's no reason you should get anything less. But for now, we need you to demand it. We can't let it suck. There are many efforts being made for audio description. And as we continue to bridge the gap between our audience and the entertainment industry, speak up for what you want. As you expect and demand it, and companies join this opportunity, these minimum requirements can and will change and evolve based on your demands and even emerging technology. And there are countless others who are extending their own efforts too. We've had conversations with blind organizations who all recognize the importance and are supportive of moving forward with a standard. It's my goal that by next year to have this in place. And to make that happen, we need your help. Too often, it's your voice that isn't heard. As opposed to Hollywood driving this, we're starting with you. So, where do you see yourself in this? <laughs> yes, you. You've always said nothing about us without us. So, what should it be called? Do you see yourself as a voiceover narrator? Can you use your engineering experience? Your hours of TV watching to learn and understand quality control? Will you call your organizations, your representatives, your contacts to ask, no, demand that you want to hear Kevin's way. So when you hear the tone, you know you're in good hands? Specifically, and we'll share this with you in some follow-up correspondence, go to kevinsway.com and visit the bridge page to find ways to reach out to the studios, vendors, and distributors. ACB's audio description project web links are included. That's kevinsway.com. You can follow along and contribute at kevinsway.com. If you're on social media, use any of the following hashtags. Hashtag blind people watch TV. Hashtag blind people watch movies. Hashtag kevinsway. And hashtag audio description. Speak up to your organizations. 
For example, ACB has multiple committees working on your behalf. Speak up to your leaders, your influencers, and wherever else you want to be heard. And you can reach me at Twitter, at Roy Samuelson, Facebook, Roy Samuelson Biz, or email Roy at Kevin'sProcess.com. There are resources online at acb.org slash ADP, and we'll always engage to find more places to connect. You are Kevin's legacy. You are the ambassadors. You all have the ability to be a part of this. You are the voice of this. You are the creators of this. Where do you see yourself in this? Credits of thanks roll. Lynn Thomas, Rondez Green, Juan Bagnell, Chip Beeman, Jeff Ross, Russ Marlowe, Rick Morin, Joe Taliaferro, Dave Persolino. Credits of thanks continue. Okay. So I'm not sure what happened to Joe, <laughs> um, but if... Roy, if you don't mind, we would like to open it up to some questions um, from the audience. I, first of all, personally want to say that was a really awesome um, presentation that you just gave. That that was really cool. Um, it was very moving. Oh, oh there's here. Becky. <laughs> hey, Becky. Hey there. So, yeah, we, uh, we'd like to, if you have the time and the inclination, Roy, we'd like to open this up to questions from the audience and virtual raised hands and all that fun stuff. Sounds great. Okay. So um, let's see if we have any hands raised. The first one I see see is Bob. Yeah, I was just going to say to Roy, that was an amazing and inspirational talk. Uh, One of my uh, main frustrations, and maybe you can give me some ideas, uh, is uh, the the leading streaming platform, Roku, doesn't seem to support audio description except, as far as I can tell, Netflix. Uh, Amazon Prime doesn't doesn't work with audio description on uh, the Roku devices, and and I suspect YouTube doesn't either. So what what does it take to get Roku to to come on board? That's a great question. I believe that that's been uh, a subject on some of the ACB community boards, as well as maybe even on that audio description project website. Um, the fact that Netflix is there on the Roku device, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Bob, but this is relatively new, that that um, that is not necessarily always been the case. So um, they've proven that they can provide it. And uh, I'm hoping that the, the team at Roku will continue to uh, allow that access. In the meantime, there's still the uh, Spectrum Access uh, app, which we mentioned. Now, it's not as, as full, uh, in, all-encompassing as the, um, as the individual platforms themselves have, but it's been growing by leaps and bounds, and it's, uh, it's really exciting. So that's kind of a separate device. You'd have to use your smartphone in conjunction with the Roku device, which is kind of annoying. But um, in the meantime, that's probably one step that you can take to check to see if any of those um, uh, those movies might be there. And as far as contacting Roku, I'll uh, put down a note to see if we can have some accessibility contacts at Roku if they're not already listed at the audio description project. And we'll see what we can find and put it on Kevin's way. Okay. Netflix Becky, been... I actually... oh. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say Netflix has been uh, supported ever since I've had my Roku, which is a year and a half, um, um, but not but not anything else. And um, 
I have a big investment in the Roku for channels and subscriptions, but I'm probably just going to punt here shortly and, and go to an Amazon Fire Stick. Wow. And Bob, like like you said, your, the Roku team is, is losing business there. I'm not really clear if that's from the app side providing their own audio description to Roku or if that's Roku themselves. So just to clarify something I said earlier, I'm not really exactly sure where that comes, but you know, that goes back to the wild West that each of these devices have their own approach and their own way of, of sharing the audio description track. And we have the same issue with Roku with audio description. It does work with, I did watch a movie with spectrum access not too long ago and it worked pretty well, but it's a little bit more cumbersome than, you know, just having the track right there with the movie. Yeah, it's that extra step, isn't it? Those extra steps. Yeah. And if you have to uh, resync in the middle of the movie, which you sometimes do have to do, because there there might be a little bit of a lag, and you kind of just and it it does it, but it's but it's still better than nothing. I mean, it's it's certainly something that will have potential as it grows. Yeah, and that's the exciting part that it is growing, and that they're not just letting it go. The Spectrum Access team, Peter and, and John, have been really active in in engaging with our audiences and asking what they want. And hopefully, that'll that'll continue to grow. Okay. Uh, next, we have uh, I think you say it, Carrie. Yes, it's Kari. G'day Kari. G'day from okay. Australia. <laughs> Hi, Kari. Yay, Hi. she's here. Roy, thanks so much for your presentation. It was absolutely amazing and and wonderful, and I I'm just really feel so privileged to be a little part of sitting in and listening in on this conference. So, again, NCCB, thank you uh, for your uh, welcome. Um, Roy, I'm, I'm really fascinated and super excited uh, about the idea of an audio logo. Um, as a sighted audio describer, I often get comments from my blind and vision impaired friends about how frustrated they are about um, inconsistent AD for live performance. And I just wondered if you have at all explored the idea of a similar, um, I guess, you know, seal of approval for uh audio describers who work in the live performance area? Kari, that's a great question. I think that one of the, even though our focus is on film and TV right now, that of course it's accessible for, for live performances or museum pieces or uh, tours like uh, national parks and even corporate uh, presentations that audio description as it evolves is um is that kind of all-inclusive and especially with so many people during the pandemic remotely recording into um to zoom calls there are still accessibility issues and of course this can be used for that and uh one of the things that's most exciting is as this is a audience empowerment driven um uh approach here that we are getting together with the audience to ask how they want it and um it, thankfully, this is not the first time that it's come up that live performance for um, for theatrical is uh, is also a part of it. It's a great question. Great, thank you. Okay, and next, thanks, Kari. Uh, next is phone number ending in nine seven six three. Hi there, this is John DeLuca. Um, really enjoyed that presentation, and I just wanted to note that um, I'm on the board of arts access here in North Carolina, and under normal times, particularly in the Triangle area, um, 
our organization offers audio descriptions at uh, live events in, in uh, many instances. And um, the, our website is artsaccessinc.org, uh, and uh, would commend that to uh, people's attention. I'm sure many of you know it, but um, uh, if anyone doesn't, uh, that would be a good website to check out. Thanks, John. I'm curious, uh, are you open to having uh, South Australian accents on your team? <laughs> I'm going to bring that up with our board uh, at its meeting this Monday. Excellent. It's all about connections. Yeah, it's all about connections. I'm here. I think I'm back. Hi. Hi, it's Joe Tolliver. Hey. Um, when you ended the presentation and started the credits, I thought, I don't want to go back into the world of inaccessible pedestrian signals and my living room, my coffee table, and the laundry I still have to do, and the dogs that need taken care of. I just want to stay in the space that you created. Just sit there until I feel like leaving the theater. Hmm. Joe, one of the cool things is that that space that you're talking about is something that I really carry with me because of those many conversations I've had with Kevin and others that it's, um, one of my cousins once said, uh, when he was really stressed, he'd say he'd carry his rest with him. And um, if I could take what you just said and say that this space that that you're speaking about, this whole speech was created by these conversations that I've had, that I've kind of curated and facilitated it in a way that, you know, I, I, I had a, a ton of help creating this. And so one of the things that gets most exciting for me is that during those times when there are challenges, and audio description is, is full of... Uh, all kinds of speed bumps and potholes, uh, if we could push the, <laughs> the highway analogy pretty hard here. And we've got a long way to go. Oh, wow, I'm still going with the analogy. But the cool thing I is love it. I love it. we're all, we're all kind of taking this, this trip together, and it, it means a lot to me that this space means something to you. And um, it's an encouragement to know that, that we are on the right track, that you know, there's a lot of, um, as a sighted narrator, I'm bringing my own perspective to this and i need to know that it's not my perspective but it's the perspectives of our audio description audiences that that takes precedence and um so when you're grateful for that space i i kind of want to hold up a a mirror and reflect it back to you and say thanks for creating the space so that we can run this don't do a mirror find something audible I'm, I'm trying to think about like I, I lost it with the the highway. There's nothing I could say with the highway, you know. <laughs> That's all right. I don't drive anyway, so <laughs> whatever image you want to use, I will turn it into something that is made of taste and smell and touch and sound. There we go. How about an echo? That's a wonderful idea. We go. I would love to be helpful here in North Carolina in audio description. I don't know if you know about the Playmakers Theater. I've not been, but I read its history before you came this evening. And I thought, there's a place I can go and 
help with audio description, help edit, maybe not help narrate. Because I would probably cry every show. <laughs> um, it just means that much to me. I'm planning a garden. And it's my design. It's going to be something that's accessible, not only to me, because I'll know where all the flowers are and what they are and what they need to thrive and survive. And that's kind of like audio description, but it's what I thought of doing during this time of COVID-19 and I'm going to listen for that audio cue on April 25th. Thanks, Joe. Okay. Um, we do not have any hands at the moment. Just, just to give you an idea of where we are. I have okay. a follow-up. And what if, what would happen if all the TV commercials were audio described? Consumers would probably get that many more purchases for what they're selling. Well, I would think so. Thankfully, I think Procter and Gamble is uh, is one of the the companies that is providing audio description for uh, uh, for commercials. Uh, I cannot believe else. how many commercials there are that I have no idea what they're even for. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I'd rather hear about soggy cereal because it has too much milk in it. Some of the commercials for car warranty and insurance. Well, and some of the commercials that we do have to suffer through that are very vivid. But uh, <laughs> but you know there are there are commercials that you know oh that's cute music what is it and you know I'll uh, I'll Google it. what's the ad what does this ad say or something and you can usually find it but I'm not going to look that hard for a commercial unless <laughs> I really like the music or something. Or it's about chocolate. (laughs) Or it's about chocolate. Well, there is that. (laughs) All right. We do have a couple of hands up. Uh, Kari was first. And Kari, you should now be able to unmute. There you go. Uh, I just wanted to say when I did the training, AD training by Joel Snyder in uh, Washington a couple of years ago, he actually spent some time teaching us how to narrate ads and he gave us a few examples of Microsoft and I guess it's no great surprise, the banks. Apparently the banks provide audio description. Maybe that's only in some spaces, I'm not sure. I have never heard an audio described ad myself. So I don't know. It'd be interesting. Mm, He played some examples, but yeah. Especially during the Super Bowl. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I don't know audio described Subaru actually had some audio described ads for a while right. they did have yeah I take that back I think I remember one of those well when they get automated vehicles they'll have to have audio description so we know what the car we're going to buy looks like <laughs> All right, and Bob, uh, you should now be able to unmute and talk. Uh, yeah, hi. I just want to make uh, two points. One is uh, the Playmakers Theater does have uh, audio-described 
plays. I've been to several. Uh, they're done by the Arts Access of North uh, North Carolina that was referred to. Um, the second thing is that um, uh, I'm a member of uh, several low vision support groups around the area, and uh, we've uh, we've undertaken a, uh, over the last several months to have uh, 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 discussions of audio description for the members of those groups. There's a lot of folks that don't even know what you know audio description is all about and we've been lucky enough to have fred brack of the audio description project who's based in raleigh come and uh, speak to our orange county group the durham group uh, and and a couple of others so um, those of you who are part of other low vision groups that's a good thing to do is to get get the word out that this great um, service is available and becoming more so so thank you well, Bob, that's such a great point. I'm a big fan of Fred. He is uh, he is one machine when it comes to audio description information. <laughs> what a what a great honor to be able to, to hear from him and talk with him. So this is Lacey. I was just thinking about um, one of the things that I noticed is an issue with audio description, and this was mentioned earlier in the day, but um, is as someone with low vision, I am fortunate enough that I have enough vision that I can get up on top of my TV and read the screen to see how to turn on said audio description. With that being said, there are times that I have trouble finding it um, based on what type of cable connection I'm using and what kind of TV um, I have. And so I didn't know... Um, if you had heard anything about there being any progress made on making it easier for people with low vision or who are blind to find the audio description option on their TV. Um, I mean, I know when I use my, my fire TV, I can just use um, A-L-E-X-A because I don't want to send anybody off. <laughs> um, and I can tell her to turn it on, you know, to turn on voice viewer or what have you. But at the same time, like that's not as easy to do on like if I'm watching cable TV. And so I didn't know if the, if you had heard any development about making that an easier process. There's a, there's one example that comes to mind and I think Lacey, what you're, uh, what I've, <laughs> it's the access of access. The, this, this setting is so buried and it's, you know, I, I think about, um, I've got a family member who uses audio description and, uh, she has a subscription to Xfinity. And with that, they push a button and say, turn on audio description. It's that simple. And wow. as that kind of culture shift changes when it comes to the access of access, I can't help that other companies are going to be like, Oh, we want to do it too. Like there's a, there's a real level of awareness and education that seems to be growing about audio description. And, um, especially with these streaming services providing it um, almost ubiquitously. There's definitely exceptions. But this is, this is that kind of race to, um, to the good <laughs> when it comes to audio description. So for now, it's so disappointing that those settings are buried. And is it on your cable box? Is it on your TV? Is it on the app? Is it on this? Is it on that? <laughs> Xfinity found a way to overcome that. And um, I can't help but think that there's probably other examples. That's the only one that I'm personally familiar with. Um, on the Kevin's Way uh, website in that bridge page, we do have some of the um, 
the cable company's contact information listed, whether it's an email or a phone call. Um, I hate that that's one of the, the few things that we can do, but it is starting to make that connection. And I think as more people do speak up and saying, I want to turn this on and I don't know how, that um, these companies are going to start to address that in a way that's elegant and designed in a way that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's really good to know because I um, where I live, we only have Spectrum unless mm. you want to use like Dish Network. Um, and so, and I'm, like I said, I know it's an option, but having to go through and find it and, you know, I couldn't imagine not being able to read the screen and trying to find it because I live by myself. So it's like, you know, <laughs> that's kind of hopeless, but I am glad to hear that it does exist and hopefully it will become uh, more of the norm as, as time goes on. Inspector couldn't, does- they, couldn't they build in a little haptic? So like, ah, there's that vibration. I know it's it's on. (laughs) Well, the good news too is with Spectrum, because they came out with this app, they do have an accessibility team that's not just about the app. So um, that that gives me, that's encouraging that there might be something there. Yes. This is Tyson. Hey, Tyson. Hey, Roy. Thank you. Um, Wonderful, wonderful presentation. Um, So I'd like to kind of ask you a couple questions, if if I may. Um, In listening to you, you, when you first start out and you're going through your presentation, you're varying your voice, the speed and the pace and the the pitch and that. And so you're kind of bringing us into that story through that and emphasizing certain words, almost in a very Shatner-esque type of a of a quality which is amazing how you can do that how you can we can just feel that like you talked about you know and the cats um um but uh so when you're preparing is that something that you're you're doing on the fly as you're watching the video to kind of get a a feel for what's being portrayed visually that you're trying to translate verbally and then as a follow-up if you could tell if you would be willing to share what is your worst audio describing situation and your best (laughs) thanks tyson uh for the uh for the work a lot of my background is in voiceover um so that's commercials or video games or uh animation or other kinds of narration so when i started working in audio description it was surprising how many of those elements came together with audio description so a lot of my training with um I, i go to voiceover workout groups in the same way that athletes prepare by, you know, getting a coach or going to the gym. Uh, I feel an equal responsibility to be able to, to do that for the work that I do. And it's not like, um, okay, once you do it, you're done. It's like, this is something that I'm constantly working on. And I've got, um, a handful of coaches that I still work with on a weekly basis to make sure that I'm at the top of my game. So when it comes to the the experience of actually doing audio description narration, a lot of those skills from the other voiceover experiences, whether it's uh, acting classes or learning intentions or, or whatever, each of those has built up certain kinds of skills. And, you know, this is, this is for a, a blind talent or a sighted talent. It has nothing to do with, with sight. It has to do with uh, the work that's put into it. And so with audio description, I've found that um, there are certain cues that I that I go to in the same way that we're using Kevin's way uh, tone as a shorthand to give you um, uh, you know this this seal of approval 
with the experiences that I've had as, you know, in the training, I use a lot of those shortcuts because when there's five or six cues in one minute and they're all to time, I can't be you know, thinking about and speaking at the same time. It's, it's almost like uh, with walking, I'm not thinking, I'm going to pick my right foot up, bend my right knee, uh, put all my weight on my left foot, gently put my, you know, it's, it's too much. You, you learn how to walk by learning how to walk. And there's a lot of stumbling and practicing to get to the point where you walk. And I, in that analogy with, uh, with voiceover, a lot of this experience with audio description is most satisfying because I get into a flow. And it's because of all the uh, the different experiences I've had in voiceover that allow that to happen. And I'm still evolving. I would not claim to be a, a perfect audio description voice talent. I'm still practicing what works. I'm listening to audiences and listening to what they're new, what they're saying they want, and that changes my performance. As, as far a, as the, hmm? I'm sorry. As a, I was just going to say, as a, as a listener and a patron of of your work, we appreciate that that you work to develop it. Oh, thanks, Tess. Well, that segues into the worst experience I've had. <laughs> um, not all audio description companies provide the same level of quality writing. Uh, there's been times before where the time code has been off. There's been double words in the script and uh, subtitles followed by descriptive action that bleed into one another. And um, uh, specifically since the pandemic, one of the challenges that I'm actually doing my best to overcome is that as I work remotely, there's a lot of things that I kind of have to pick up the mantle and being able to make sure that I'm still given the performance that you as an audience member deserve while still being able to provide what the company needs. It's been, um, it's been a really fascinating experience. I think the, the worst experience was uh, one of my initial um, jobs when I first started. For some reason, I could not say these two words together, the detective. And I was doing a ton of detective shows. So it would come out sounding like I had had three beers just for those two words and finding a way to say the detective, the detective. I mean, it's still it, it's coming out now because I've practiced it for some reason. Um, and most of the audio description voice talents that I've talked to have a similar thing. There's this one thing that probably anybody else in the whole world can say together. But for some reason, it's just that Achilles heel that you stumble through. So um, there was one time where there were a ton of the detectives and the director and producer just said, yeah, we're going to come back to that line later. <laughs> um, I think one of the best experiences I've had with audio description has been with um, a company that wanted to hire me and said that uh, because of the pandemic, they didn't have the budget to include a blind professional for advising. And I said, in the work that I'm doing now, it's going to be hypocritical for me to take this job. Can I? And they said, well, we can't afford it. The budget's already been approved. And I said, can we? Can we? take out the money that you were going to pay me and pay a blind advisor. And they said, oh, we'll think about it. And probably five or six days later, I got a, uh, the start paperwork, basically. They wanted to hire me with all the attachments. Uh, and in that message of the email, they said, we found room in the budget to hire a blind professional and uh, advise us on this work. It's the first time that I've been so moved by what you as an audience has have taught me about nothing without about us without us and it was that one step that i think is going to be uh many thousands of steps over the next few years as more companies become more aware of the importance of including blind professionals in this work so that's definitely one of my not most recent but probably one of my favorite audio description experiences 
as there are no more hands, I wonder if I could be indulged in another question. Bring it, Tyson. What is what is the process that that is used to to hire a? Because you talked about contracts and stuff like that. So, how does that exactly work? That's a great question. I think most of the work that I do as a voice talent is uh, project by project. So it's not like I have a. Uh, there are some companies that hire me um, for multiple projects, but I'm not a salaried employee. I don't have the same thing. There could be. Uh, months go by where I don't work for them, and then there'll be a week where I do five or ten projects in a row. So there's, um, uh, from my experience as a voice talent, it's um, it's project by project based. When it comes to the the writers, I believe most of the writers are on a more permanent basis. Um, I'm sure there's some companies that have exceptions to that that kind of hire writers as needed. Uh, engineers are um, kind of a combination that are. Uh, employees essentially that work all the time and then they also hire additional sound engineers so as far as the blind advisors go one of the things that i'm seeing happening is people are understanding the value of a blind advisor uh, being included in the process as of audio description itself and those are whether it's a it's a retainer situation or whether it's a one-off uh, when I teach uh, voiceover classes, I always make sure to include a blind professional along with um, uh, making sure that they're advising our our voice talents. And that's a paid thing. So anytime I teach, somebody's getting paid. Um, the few opportunities that I've had to produce a documentary feature or even a music video, I make sure that there's a blind advisor included because I need to model what I'm talking about. And I think that a lot of the... Um, uh, producers, so not the not the companies that create the audio description, but the actual content producers are becoming more aware of audio description and understanding the the different nuances to that. I'm kind of dancing around your question a little bit, Tyson. Did that did that answer the question? It it did. It did. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for having me here. This has been um, a real honor to be able to to share this again and. And be able to uh, to go on that that <laughs> I guess the audio description ride again. Um, thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having. It's me. been fun. Thank you for us. And I'd just like to say that North Carolina Council of the Blind is going to make a donation to the ACB slash audio description project in your honor and as a gift of thanks for your joining us this evening. Oh, oh thanks, Joe. And thanks, Becky. Thanks for the whole uh, NCCB team. That uh, really means a lot. So glad to know because I know that Fred Brack is, is uh, definitely keeping it going <laughs> along with the whole team there. <laughs> We're not letting him quit. <laughs> he, yeah, he's not allowed. Well, thanks again, everyone. Thank you. We'll be listening thank for you. you. Yes. Thanks, Becky. Thanks, Joe. And thanks, everyone. Yes, thank you. I can hear your smile. Busted. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. So I don't know if we still have attendees hanging out. You have 16 attendees out in the audience right now. Yay. So um, we were going to move into a discussion about the North Carolina Council of the Blind and what we want NCCB as an affiliate look like 
a year from now, five years from now, I'd asked my husband, Chris, to help me facilitate. And I don't know if he's asleep or not. No, I'm here. I'm not asleep. Awesome. So if you want to start with some open-ended questions for discussion, um, that would be wonderful. <laughs> okay. So I'm the, uh, uh, I'm the literalist uh, between Joe and I. And, but I like the way she was explaining this to me and say, uh, you know, what should we dream that NCCB should be like uh, in the short term and, and medium term future? I mean, if we could just, you know, not be hemmed down by our picture of re- reality and limitations, but just, you know, Dream about what would be just awesome, uh, regardless of of any kind of judgment about its uh, ability to actually be possible. What what kinds of things come to mind? Uh, And that's my question. Okay, there are no hands at the moment. Well, well, we can just I think, on people. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think NCCB should buy a van, a big van. And when there's an outing, like an audio described show or audio described movie, or we just want to gather with a few people to go have coffee, all the folks that want to come can come with no transportation barriers. And even if we're wearing masks still, I think that would be kind of an awesome project. And then let it be a, like a cooperative venture with someone else who needs to use a van or something. And it's got a wheelchair lift in it. We could, Cooperate with different companies. Okay, we know, we want the van this Saturday, or our chapter wants the van next week because we got people who aren't getting out, and we want to see them socially. And even though pandemic is not over, it will be. So that's my. Yeah, that's dream. a real cool idea. And it sounds yeah. like some of our chapters do some stuff like that by. Uh, getting uh, 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 van service from different organizations uh, to go from point A to point B. So that's a, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. So this all is right, Lacey. You, this yeah. is Lacey. And I, I definitely agree with, with what Joe just said, like having some form, whether it be that we have a vehicle or we partner, you know, our local chapters partner with their communities um, to be able to assist with that. Cause I know for some people, um, Alamance is a perfect example of this, that they borrow the van from the church, um, that they hold their meetings at. And so they're able to go pick up people. Um, Jane and Tony help out with that on their side of Burlington, but, um, the, the gentleman that drives the church van for us or for them, I'm not part of them now, um, goes around and pick people up, which is really great. That was very helpful for a lot of us. Um, 
But I still am very interested um, in the at-large chapter because I know that we have, there are blind people all over the state. Um, You know, yes, a lot of times when you think about where that population is, a lot of times people say they're in Raleigh or Charlotte or Greensboro, which there are large populations of blind and visually impaired individuals in those cities, um, which make, which stands to reason why, you know, I mean, there's better transportation and more jobs to be had and all that kind of stuff. But I'm really hoping um, that we can get this at-large chapter up and running um, because I personally, that's one of the things I miss. Um, for those of you who don't know, I moved back from Burlington back to Marion, which is a very, very, very small town. Um, I'm probably related to half the town. That's how small it is. Um, and we have, I mean, we have nothing. We have, yeah. technically, we do have um, McDowell Transit. But from what I hear from a few people, it's really not that great. Um, it, yeah, the timing and this, that, and the other, which, of course, it's a small operation, so I understand that. But I, when I first moved back home, I approached the social worker for the blind and I said, um, you know, I'm part of the North Carolina Council of the Blind. And I just left a very, act, you know, a, a somewhat active chapter that, you know, the largest one in our state. And I missed that. Do you think that we would be able to start something here and maybe have a Marion chapter or a McDowell County chapter? Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, as much as that would be, an awesome thing to do. She said, I really don't think you're going to have success because of transportation. Um, because our transportation ends at like four thirty or five o'clock. So if by chance somebody in our community is low vision or blind and they have a job and they want to come, but they don't get out for it till five o'clock, then yeah. there, there's no hope. Um, and so I think if we could get this at large chapter up and running, um, I do too. You know, and have uh, it mostly virtual would be yes. fantastic. Yep. Um, maybe virtual to start with. Okay, oh. Bob has his hand up, so Bob, you should have a hey, Bob. Talk. Well, I have a number of uh, ideas. Um, uh, the first one might be for the, um, the the NCCB to to have maybe closer ties with. Um, the low vision support groups all around at least this center part of the state and probably there are others all around the state. Um, I, I just would point out that the only reason I'm actually a member of NCCB, but the only way I found out about the uh, uh, conference was uh, through a posting in the audio description. Um, mm-hmm. Listener, I never, I never saw anything, any other publicity. And if I'd have known, um, I could have spread the word to probably five or six different uh, low vision support groups. And I think there would have been people who would have uh, liked to have joined. So I think, you know, I think there's a a big community of potential members to NCCB out there. So that's the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say, and Chris Bell and I have talked about it, is um, I've been involved in um, uh, the the, uh, absentee ballot voting situation uh, in the time of, you know, COVID-19 from the point of view of people with, uh, who are blind or with low vision. And um, a lot of the, I've been to several of the local uh, county websites and basically <laughs> they're inaccessible in, in many, in many ways. 
Uh, and I think the uh, I think the chapter could, if not, you know, I've done a little bit. I actually reached out to the Orange County uh, Board of Elections chairperson and and pointed out to her that her uh, a screen reader couldn't read her website, and she actually has made uh, made some changes to it. Uh, so it, it is possible. It just you know you need to reach out, and I think I think this group could, um, if not totally for 2020, at least over the next couple of years. Um, take that on from uh, on the election websites, but really most any of the websites out there that are government websites have issues and uh, mm-hmm. it goes on and on. The third thing I'd say is, um, is that, um, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is as much as I like people as much as the next guy, the attendance at the Orange County Low Vision Group, uh, the Durham County Low Vision Group, uh, it's, and, and a couple of others has expanded during this last six months because we're meeting virtually and more and more more people can join with their computer or their at least their phone we've had uh, far and away more uh, more attendance and so once this covid thing is is over and it may be a while but once it is i i hope we don't i mean meeting in person is wonderful but i think there ought to be uh, some efforts made uh, to uh, work with different groups and help with the technological aspects of creating hybrid meetings where people can meet in person, of course, but also have a mechanism by which folks can join uh, remotely and, and still be a part of, of the programs and information that's uh, shared. And I, I think that I think I had one more, but I, I'll, uh, I'll shut up for now. I think that's a great uh, idea, Bob, and and I've wondered about uh, how that can be made to happen. I think uh, in the coming years, the notion of a hybrid where you have in-person but also uh, virtual attendance is is the thing to do, but how to make it happen, I have no idea about the the technology, how you how you bring somebody into a room where you got a bunch of people that are that are sitting there and can still have uh, a a virtual experience that is not uh, that is not disrupted by the person to person attendance, but feeds into it uh, you know seamlessly. I have no idea how that would be done, but it it should be done. I think uh, Cindy and ACB are working on that. And I also think we can take some cues from all of the school districts that are yes. trying to do those hybrid kinds of classroom training, teaching programs, um, to kind of get some wisdom from, from that. I think we've also had um, uh, affiliate meetings where some people were in person and some people had to call in over the phone. And when we tried to do that, everybody talked over each other and maybe there was one microphone that was passed around or you couldn't hear people in the room because everyone was talking instead of listening. That's the big issue. Okay, Peter Crumley has his hand up, and uh, Peter, you should now be able to unmute and talk. Hey there. Um, yeah, I just jumped back out here and listened to this. Um, I think it's really great. I, as I said earlier today, I would like to uh, 
help facilitate with whoever. I know I've talked with May. I know Bob, uh, just heard Bob there, um, and uh, some other good friends that uh, I've heard today. But I would like to help facilitate if I can. I'm willing to try to be the point person. Um, I'm willing to work with anybody else because I don't necessarily have to be or want to be, but I'm willing to help out. And I think there's ways that we can do a hybrid meeting. Um, it's just a matter of figuring out a proper protocol and teaching people. And, you know, I've been involved now with these virtual meetings to the point that some groups it works, some groups it doesn't. This group has worked really well today um, been really well run. And that has to deal with how it's been facilitated by the host. And other groups, and um, I won't mention them, but they don't, the membership doesn't understand the power of self-muting. And you get really bad signals and, and talk over problems, whatever. So there's probably going to be an educational process, which is going to be the biggest component of getting a hybrid meeting to work. And I'm hearing background noise already. Um, this is Lacey. I just want to kind of add on. Um, Becky, I think it was Becky, made a good point um, in mentioning about the school systems. Um, my sister is a second grade teacher, and so I've kind of had a front row seat to how it works to have half of your group in person and half of your group in the virtual world. And I think it's definitely doable. Um, and I think that one of the things we may do is get a core group of those of us who are most comfortable with technology and most comfortable with um, managing that kind of thing to get together and kind of work out the, some kinks and kind of figure out, you know, how we can best implement um, a system similar to what ACB radio has provided to us um, this weekend, because as, as was said by Peter, it, it has worked really well. Um, our hosts and, and um, streamers and such have done a really great job. And so I think definitely this shows that it's possible. I think it's just a matter of us learning and figuring out the best way to accomplish um, that task and how to spread what we learn to the other chapters and, and people who may be interested. Um, because I think, you know, as Bob mentioned, how the attendance has grown um, because we're all, you know, are all virtual now. And I think that that speaks a lot to a transportation issue. So as we all know, transportation is an issue as we've talked about. And unfortunately it's not something that we'll be able to fix in the very near future, but with the way that technology has now become such a big part of society, um, I think in the meantime, until we can figure out a better way for transportation to happen, um, that this is a definitely a, a good vehicle um, to help bridge that gap a little bit and help get those people who otherwise aren't able to be involved because their transit ends too early or because they live too far out or their, you know, their, their significant other passed away. And so now they're by themselves and they don't have a driver or whatever the reason may be that keeps them from getting out of the house. Um, I know I had one lady that I knew when I was in Burlington that they even had trouble getting to the doctor because she had several um, health issues that just made it really mm -hmm. hard for, for her to travel yeah. outside the house. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I think about those kind of people who genuinely have a really hard time 
getting out of their home for whatever reason. I think about that if we could get this to work where they could be involved either in the member at large chapter or be involved with the, the state chapter or their local affiliate, if there's one in their area, um, I think would help a lot of people to, to feel more connected. It would grow our membership and would grow, um, grow us as an organization, really. Well, I forget who said it, but if, if uh, Dan Spoon and, and others are working on this for next year's uh, national convention, um, we should find out who's who's working on this sort of hybrid model. Hi, it's Debbie <laughs> Hazelton. Hi, Debbie. Um, I just wanted to uh, add to this great discussion. I think it's this is going to be one of your probably favorite times in this conference because it's brainstorming and you know we're deciding on october 13th what's going to happen this next year but one of the things that is so great is between all of the community calls and all of the virtual conventions it's it's many of you and all of us together that are becoming the experts at how we grow this um, between states throughout a state and growing community. We have, you know, with Cindy talking about 80 calls a week, we have people that are coming out of the woodwork and saying they never had so much fun. Just like all the excitement that you have, Joe, about audio description. There are so many that have that about the community calls because they feel like for the first time, they're they're not bored for the first time they're making new friends for the first time they feel like they're getting answers to questions and i think that is really the thing that's going to help to grow affiliates and expand what you all are doing and even with even with what you all did when we first met on zoom you had many of you had a terrible time and now look, yeah, it may not be numbers in droves, but it's core people, core people and, you know, thinking outside the box and looking at how to do it. And, you know, we're all learning better ways to listen. We're all learning better ways to say what it is we really want to say. But, you know, and some of it's learning about etiquette, etiquette, learning how far a microphone travels you know, like, and when we're suddenly unmuted and we didn't know it, you know, that happened to me last <laughs> night. But learning, learning, you know, that we could hear the TV in the next room. Hey, that's just, that's just an OJT, an on-the-job on training. And, and just like we've had to tell people, hey, when you go into a room, you know, you might not want to run in there and start talking right away. But you know what? There are people who physically do. There are people who physically don't know that there might be kinder or more considerate ways to to do that kind of stuff. So we're all learning on many, many levels how to show up and how to listen and and how to come together. And, and I just think you guys are, you know, you've made huge headway with this. And your podcast, you know, you're going to have all this in the podcast. That's going to all help going forward so good good job well thank you Deb. thank you for your support mm -hmm. debbie you bet 
thank you very, very much to you and all your dedicated we, crew. Thanks. To and we can stay on Zoom. Those of us that want to can stay on Zoom. Yeah, I'm not going to okay. close the room down. Okay. Get your well, thank you for streaming. Take yep. care. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate all your help. You're welcome.